Beer is awesome, but sometimes the world of beer can be intimidating. As a team of four women with diverse points of view, from our cultures to our roles in the industry, we're here to share with you the real faces behind the bubbly, crispy drink we all love and, yes, really, all drink. Hi, and welcome to Do You Even Drink Beer? My name's Breeze. My name is Andreina. I'm Sydney. And I'm Ayana. Now's a good time for me to open my beer. Let's, yeah. um, should we hit them with ASMR first? Yeah. Okay, do it. let's just, let's just, let's just be really quiet and then let me just crack it open. Ooh. Damn. Mm. That was a good one. Yeah, that sounded one. really nice. Sexual. No. no. <laughs> let's, just, let's just bring it there. No. And, uh, <laughs> what are you drinking? What are you drinking? I'm drinking Qualified Pills by the Suarez Family Brewery, also known as Suarez. Yeah, that's what I'm drinking. Shorthand. Are you guys drinking anything? Please. Yeah, we're drinking. Me and Ayana are drinking Hollertau Pills by Human Robot. Mm, I do love very Human good. Robot. They're good people. Same. I only drink one beer when I go there, and it's this one. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. I'm having it today, <laughs> and then I'll have it again and again and again. I mean, it's pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, what are you drinking, Sydney? I'm drinking the same thing as you, Breeze. Wait, is it the same? Yeah. I think so. The same qualified pills? Yeah. Oh. Well, I panicked, and I took the same thing that you did. So. <laughs> you did panic. <laughs> we were like, just take a beer. Yeah, well, it seemed like there was there was no wrong beer to pick. Uh, no, we only brought well, of course not. good Yeah, beer. exactly. It's Wars so, uh, and Human Robot. There's so, no wrong answer here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I picked, a, I picked pills. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Ayana, you're also drinking Human I'm, Robot, right? I'm also drinking Human Robot. It's this, pretty delicious. Yeah. It's good. It's very good. Why don't we tell the people what we do before we get started with why we're doing this? Yeah? Ayana, Ayana, you start. I love okay. hearing her talk about what she does. I know. I love oh. her NPR well, voice. Well, wait. How long of a... How much should I talk? Like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. However long really you take want. up space, Ayana. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um... I am an operations and distribution manager at a brewery in New York City. What does that mean? Um, that is hard to describe. Um, on the operations side, I write our production schedule, decide what beers we're making and when, how large the batches should be. Um, there are some ingredients that I source, but for the most part, I don't do that anymore and decide our packaging runs, like how much of a given batch of beer is going into cans versus kegs. If it's kegs, how much of it is going into half barrels versus six stools. Do all of the government compliance, like submitting labels to the federal government and different state agencies. Um, what else do I do? Oh, and then on the distribution side, I figure out what beer is going to which distributor, I like conceptually build pallets in my head and on pieces of paper <laughs> and then tell people how to build them. Um, She's a magician. Book, book some yeah. freight, um, invoice people, uh, discreetly copy edit, just, you know. And then your most important job. Ooh. Oh, what is my, oh yeah, yeah, I take care of the cat. Mm. Yeah, oh. that's, that's my most important job. I've seen the photos, I yeah. love this cat. Yeah, she's... She's a celebrity. She's definitely like she has more ball, famous like, than anybody else at the brewery. Absolutely. <laughs> <So true. laughs> but I feel like, you know, 
We kind of got to let her like do her thing. I, I feel like she's getting a little bit too much attention, honestly. Mm. But that's the fame. Fine. The fame is getting to her head. Yeah. <laughs> Does she like the attention? Does she like to be pet and everything? Oh, she loves it. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's doing good. I just mean, you know. Put her in her place. Remind her of I just think that she doesn't understand how much money she brings into the brewery, and therefore, like, we shouldn't exploit her too much, you know? Mm. Oh, I see. Like, yeah, yeah like a, an Instagram child. I want to, like, protect her, you know? Got yeah, it, you start it. blurring her face. <laughs> like, well, don't do that. Or put, or put the money into a savings account so that Ooh. you can use it for college. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cats go to college? Cat college. Mm. Come on, Cat brewery cats go to college. Yeah. You should invest yeah. in the S&P 500. Despite it only being around for like 50 years, it has a very high rate of return since inception. Great place to put your money. All right. So also, I can give you some financial advice. Not endorsed. So for the people who don't know you, how long have you been in the industry for? Mm. Um, I've worked in the beer industry for, I think this is 10 years now. Um, yeah, I started off as like working as a cheesemonger at like, you know, specialty food stores, which then led to buying beer for cheese shops. Then I worked at a distributor as a rep for a few years and then also bartended at a bunch of different beer bars in New York City and then have been at a brewery for the last five years. So yeah, I think it's about 10 years. Got it. Nine or 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah, it's like my entire adult life. Yeah, right? That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Pretty much like straight from college, almost straight from college. There was like one year of not working in beer oh, after man. college. and then We've all done that. Yeah. Was it the cheesemongering? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I also worked at a pickle factory. Um, <gasps> okay, so that. straight job. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. A pickle factory? Yeah, yeah. I made, I made fancy pickles. Ooh. I won yeah. a pickle eating up. contest. Is that how you got the job? No. <laughs> no, they made me do it. They like it. didn't have enough people to enter the competition and they were like, Ayana, you have to enter. So then I won the pickle eating contest. This feels like a viola- like an OSHA violation. Like you cannot make your employees eat. <laughs> I pickles threw up thirty minutes later. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of But I held it down for like a while and I got a hundred dollar bar tab. That was what hey. that was my prize. Damn. And my photos in the village voice, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was cool. Congratulations. Did you have it framed? Well, I guess it was online, but my dad made a photo album oh, and put it on I Facebook. That. <laughs> That's so yeah, uh, he was really proud of me. Well, I guess I want to know, do you still like pickles mm-hmm. from that experience? Or are you over it? Like, Yeah, I pickle a lot of stuff at home, but I do like lacto-fermented pickles at home. I don't, oh I don't tend to awesome. do a lot of refrigerator pickles. Um, it's mostly because I, I just... I don't know. Fermentation's cool. Uh, working beer. Huh? Yeah. I like fermenting <laughs> things. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Well, thank you for that insight. I love this rundown of who we are. So then, Sydney, I'm looking at you. What's, can you like, tell us about yourself? Tell sure. the people. Um, I also work at a brewery. Um, <laughs> you're going to notice a theme. Um, <laughs> Actually, none of us work at breweries. How did we? <laughs> four women all in the same room who all work at breweries? That's Stop crazy. The price. <laughs> um, I work in the warehouse of a brewery. And so day to day, we do the, I suppose, like all the operation stuff that Ayana 
does in terms of the freights and the pallet building and stuff. That's where we would come in. So we organize the outgoing wholesale orders and we build the pallets and we put them on the trucks and then we offload the trucks and then we put the pallets somewhere else and then we organize the pallets and we put them in the cooler and then the next day we take them out of the cooler and we put them somewhere else. Wait, wait, I just, very important question with all of this. Are you forklift certified? Yes. Oof. Wait, <laughs> wait is all of us everybody are? here forklift certified? Door. How long have you been in the beer industry for? Well, um, technically only a year and two months, but I worked in the food industry since I was 17 and I was interested in fermentation mm. was mainly my entry into beer because I started making kombucha at home. Mm. And then I worked at a place that had a little brewery. And that was really cool. And I got to shadow the brewer for a little bit. But then the pandemic happened before I could get really into beer. And so that kind of reset everything. Um, And then I went back to restaurant work after the pandemic. And then I was like, oh, I still like beer. But I don't have any straight guy friends to drink beer with. So I guess I got to figure it out on my own. This was a real thought that I had. When I moved to New York, I was like, Ooh. I gotta find. I know, right? <laughs> well, it was it was in jest, but m- kind of also in earnest. And in truth, then I got a boyfriend, and I did get more into beer by hanging out with him. But then I was like, wait, I could probably make some female friends too. And then I did that. So this is a success story. Oh, and now oh. you're here, and now I'm here. Look at all my female friends. <laughs> <laughs> We're all here together. Yeah. yeah. And we uh, all work in beer. <laughs> it's so cool. Who you thought? did it. I know. Who would have thought? Not me. Yes. But specifically me. This is yes, what I've dreamed of. Yeah, like yeah, these yeah. moments right here, which is great. Uh, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Andreina. What's up, girl? You're up. Let's go. I also work at a brewery. Stop no. it. That's Wait. so crazy. <laughs> uh, I'm a seller person. Well, as of like a month ago, I'm a seller person slash operator. which is just fancy for I put things in beer, I clean tanks, and then I work really big, scary machines. As you should. As I should. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I've been in beer. I took a a year-long break, um, but I've been in the industry since I was 23. So it's seven years, seven, eight years. Seven years, I guess. Or six. Six to seven years. Um... But yeah, I love what I do. And I'm on the forklift too all day. Mm-hmm. And not all day, but sometimes. And I really like it. And I, it took me a long time to get here. But I'm here now. And yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> I think that goes for all of us. Yeah. It took us a long time to get here. Yeah. But we're here and it's yeah. awesome. I had to manage a lot of people and buy a lot of beer mm. for bars. And mm. work for not so great people. But yeah. we're all here now. Yeah. And it's incredible. And I love it. I love you. I love you too. Okay. I love everybody here. Oh. I'm not going to cry now, but give me an hour and the waterworks are just going to come out. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, okay. I guess okay. Now you have to talk about yourself. Yeah. Oh God, I hate talking about myself. Breeze, uh, what do just... you do? Oh man. Okay. Well, so I am a lead brewer and I'm a board member for the Michael Jackson Foundation and with the Michael Jackson Foundation I also started a mentorship program 
uh, within the organization to help people of color in the industry and brewing and distilling to ensure that they have the support that they need to continue their path and their careers and to have all the resources necessary so they can continue to reach their goals. And uh, I'm a big supporter of that and it's something that I love to do on a daily basis and it's great seeing the growth of the organization and it's great seeing the brewers and distillers who we've helped along the way and seeing their stories unfold because every person of color has a story in this industry and I love to hear it and be able to combine what I love to do along with what I want to see in the industry to be able to do both means to me something that I never thought I'd be able to do in the industry it's almost like unexpected or unreachable like nobody really thinks about the possibilities of being able to help that much mm -hmm. because our focuses are, are a lot of our focuses are just get through the day. Yeah. Just yeah. Get it's a the lot day. of like self-survival. Yeah. Right. Right. Especially, especially for women, especially yeah. for yeah. women sure. of color. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to be in a position of just like, I just need to get the today. I just need to get home. If I can just get through this week, but now being in this world of, I can't wait to get home so I can jump on this board meeting because we're about to offer up 12 more scholarships for these applicants to be able to get more people of color in these brew houses or in this, this, in this, in these distilleries like that. It's like, it's almost like being given purpose again mm -hmm. when you've been doing this for so long, you just kind of feel like you're a hamster in a wheel. It's mm -hmm. the same thing every single day, mm -hmm. which again, I've been in the industry for almost, almost 10 years. Yeah. How long have you been in the industry? Almost, Breeze? almost 10 freaking years what was the initial uh like passion how did you kind of end up in beer oh this is always so weird to like explain i am very competitive <laughs> and i'm not <laughs> never would have guessed i mean sure yeah what <laughs> no way um yes i i feel really comfortable saying that now uh, so i've always been really competitive but even as a little kid i've always wanted to play boy sports because mm. I never saw women playing these sports, like mm. like flag football. Yeah, yeah, I've always yeah. wanted to do that. And just anything that was more like male-centric, I wanted to do it because women weren't seen doing it. So I wanted to be like the one that pushes that envelope to allow women to do it. And I, I almost got on the flag football team when I was in elementary school, but I didn't. But then the girl who was in the class after me she was able to get on the flag football team i you're like the embodiment of i wrote like a feminist screed when i was eight years old that <laughs> mostly talked about why women should be allowed to play football i like didn't even i guess i kind of watched football um but i don't know like where i got this from anyway it was like two pages about like how like girls need to be allowed to play football. It's really unfair. It's probably the president's fault. Like things yeah. really so need to brand. change. And then like somewhere in it, so it was brand. like, cause they're male chauvinist pigs, but you know what? Women can be male chauvinist pigs too. So even at an early eight, age, I knew about internalized misogyny. Yeah. yeah. I was weird. I you knew the word chauvinist? I think I got it from a book. Yeah, and then like, I probably had my mom like still. explain it to me. And then I was like, oh cool, yeah. But that's where I mean that's where that I just kind of internalized this competitive nature within myself. We're always wanting to do what the boys were doing because we weren't allowed to do it, right? And it just kind of mm -hmm. started from there. And <laughs> when I got older and then going to college, I've always wanted to work for a nonprofit. 
after graduating mm. college. I just didn't know that you needed to be connected. I didn't know that you were supposed to know somebody who knew somebody who yeah. knew somebody to get you into those spaces. I didn't know you were supposed to have internships. I didn't, I didn't know these things because I just, all I learned, all I knew was I need to get to college so I can break the stigma and Same. right yeah like that was oh. just my goal like i didn't go to college for myself i went to college because i needed to break out of that stereotype that was expected of me as a latina from an immigrant mother in a neighborhood that was not all that great i needed to break that statistic of getting pregnant at 14 never going to college wow, like dropping out like my purpose was to make it all the way and i got a scholarship to college and like everything and i was like okay finally i made it and because I always say this, like, my mom didn't teach me to succeed. She taught me how to survive. Immigrant parents do right. that in general. Right. We're on survival mode 100% all the right. time. And But for my mom, she sees survival as success, mm. right? Because that's all they know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being able to survive as an immigrant is success yeah. within their own right, which absolutely. She was able to make it here, be a homeowner, have two kids, raise them, get them through uh, private school, and so on and so forth, Right. <laughs> And I know this is a long story as to why I got to craft beer, but everybody has an origin story, right? Everybody has a reason as to why they do what they do. And a lot of it is from how they grew up and what they saw and what they learned. And I grew up learning that men come first. Men should be served first. Men are only allowed to do these things. And for some reason, I think it's from my mom, where I'm just like, no, they're not. No, they can serve. Incorrect. Like, they, they can absolutely You're wrong. Serve. Yeah. Like, I belong in these spaces, not just men. And I always wanted to be in those spaces. And so after college, not really knowing what to do, I stumbled. I made some great friends when I was, uh, when I was in high school who were in college ahead of me. And I was able to fly out to Fort Collins. They invited me out there. Not knowing that Colorado is, that? is the craft beer oh. mecca oh. of the world. Like, Fort Collins, <laughs> I never heard of that. Fort Collins, Colorado. I love okay. that. Love that little town. It's so cute. Um, but I walked into New Belgium with a fake ID. Love that. Yeah. Can, oh my my God, name was Vanessa so <gasps> and I was 27. Oh my God. Hold on. With this my first brewery experience was also with a fake ID. See? Sorry, just wanted to mention that. This this podcast is young. not for children, by the way. Just <laughs> throwing that out there. I'm obsessed with that. Yeah, it's it's how I it's what I learned. It's I mean not what I learned, but it's it was my first experience to the craft beer industry. Was New Belgium walking into that brewery, and that's when they gave you tokens. Mm. They gave you tokens to try new beers, and I'm just like what is this? Is this to play a game? And they're like, no, no, no. It's You get to try these beers with that. And I, I got more exposed to beer where I grew up drinking Modelo and Tecate and Coronas. Please forgive me. But when having to expose myself to more styles of beer, especially like the hot profile, like the mm -hmm. maltiness of stuff, I'm like, I didn't know that there was a whole thing. I didn't know this was a world where this belonged in. And I just kind of had this notion of like the crappy industry is basically Never Neverland. It's a, it's a place where people work where they never have to grow up. Yeah. And so to be able to see an industry I mean, where it's very like playful and it's very like everybody loves to drink. And I, I come from a, a Mexican. So I come from a family where we loved drinking on the weekends. We loved drinking for any reason for like the baptism, quinceanera, weddings, mm -hmm. like give us a reason to party and we'll do it. So to be able to fall into an industry where I'm not just a part of having all the fun, but also learning about the product was so interesting to me, but then not realizing how I can get into it. There's no, mm, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, there's yeah. no like, like accounting. Like how do you, like how do you become an accountant? There's really, there's no 
like public platform of like at least back then on how to get into brewing yeah right and that's it's, how I just kind of started falling into it trying to figure out where where I fit in like what space I can put myself into and then realizing oh there is none yeah there is no fitting in mm-hmm. I don't look like mm-hmm. I don't look like a brewer and I and I say the description of a female brewer without like not trying to ruffle too many feathers but back then I feel like yes there were absolutely women in brewing but they were all just like either had like pink hair and they were just <laughs> completely like tatted all over. They had piercings everywhere. You know what I mean? Just, they just had the look of a brewer, like how a, like how a male brewer, you close your eyes, you see a white guy with a beard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, for and me back then, a female brewer was a white woman with dyed hair and tattoos and piercings. Yeah. And initially and, in the beginning, when I didn't know anything, but just like when yeah. I was a kid, I didn't see, people like me in these spaces. I didn't see women like me in these spaces. So for me, it's like, it was very much shouting out, you don't fit in here. And me being me, I'm like, okay, but watch me though. Mm-hmm. And that was always my mentality. And even till today, those of you who know me, it's kind of like, don't tell me no, don't tell me that I'm incapable. I'm going to put myself in this space, whether you like it or not. And it just kind of started from there, working from being a bar back and then working my way up where I just get to learn from these people. And it was really hard at first. They didn't take me seriously. And I just kept pushing and pushing and creating relationships and pushing and pushing. And then I became, I was finally able to be allowed in a space where I could be an assistant brewer, be a seller person, then finally jump on that deck and be a brewer. And then that's when I ended up in New York and why we're here now. But I know it's a very long winded story as, as to like why I'm here but I think our, our stories as individuals are super important because our stories will will always be ingrained in the industry because these are these are the stories for craft beer now, right? It's not just white people getting into craft beer; it's now people of color, women of color getting into craft beer. So these are these are the new norm stories now. Yeah, and that's the intention of what it is that we're trying to do by by what we're doing on an everyday basis by just showing up to work. We're still enabling those stories for other women of color who are trying to learn and trying to find a space in this industry it's really hard to find a space in this industry yeah i can i can i talk about um you you mentioning it's about everyone uh like you having to know people i didn't realize that until i got into the bar managing industry and i started beer buying and i'm like how did i get this job i just walked into this bar spoke to the manager spoke to the owner and now i'm here and like how am i going to do anything else like i literally just have to I have to talk to other people and I have to kind of ask for it in a way. Um, and then I started to realize like, oh, it's who you know. Like, it's really just who you know. Right. You have to go to those events and you have to talk to those people and you have to not maybe not work the room, kind of. I don't, you know. But, and then once I got really in it, I was like, oh, the only way I'm going to be in production is if I talk to as many people as possible mm-hmm. and connect with as many people as possible. Other than that, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be a job listing there's not going to be, it's just not going to be available. It's not going to be a, a search engine for it. Um, and I knew, and then in my mind, I was like, the only people getting production jobs are people that know someone, that know someone that drink beer. Yeah. And like, what the fuck? Like, what if I just love this shit and I want to do it? Why can't I just apply for it? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it really, that really like shook up my world because I was taught like, you go to college, 
you graduate college, you get a job. And that's just not the reality of yeah, the, being beer, in the indus- beer industry. Or like most industries. Yeah. It's really yeah. just all nepotism. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that fucked me up for now. a while. Because I was yeah. like, I don't know anyone. Like, I live so far uptown. Like, I'm not in the you know in the mix of it in the thick of it of where craft beer is like i'm never gonna get a job in production like it's never gonna happen um and it really i just want to touch on that because it's like the, really the only way for people like us women like us well i just don't i don't think it's talked about often i don't think it's something that is is exposed to the point of bringing awareness to people and how hiring should be there are so many like barriers to entry for I think people from like marginalized backgrounds like I tried applying to a brewery job that I was very qualified for like to be like a sales rep at a brewery um prior to my current job and like you know there's this one job in particular that I remember applying for and I was told that like they wouldn't even interview me even though I was the most qualified candidate because they didn't want to like upset my boss Oh. and and like you know and and all I can think is like okay well one I mean I told them over the phone I was like I told my boss that I wanted to work at a brewery in my interview with him like that was yeah he knows that mm-hmm. that's also like a normal thing that happens you work at a distributor so that you can work at a brewery that's yep. like kind of the pipeline in yep. for certain jobs anyway and you know I always wondered like well if I was a guy, I don't know that I would have been denied an interview, right. you know? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, even just shit like that. Where I mean, let's talk about the regular to production employee pipeline. Oh. <laughs> let's talk about it. You could just go to a brewery enough to have everyone learn your name and drink enough of the beer and show enough interest that they will hire you. And that's Wait, in, in production? Se- yes. If you're like, I'll just clean kegs. They will hire regulars to clean kegs. Wow. I've just heard of things like that. And yeah, I'm just but like, that's cleaning kegs. Yeah, that's but not cleaning beer. Yeah, but cleaning kegs. But that's, that's where you where start. start. That's where you start. Well, yeah, I mean, I've been working in a warehouse trying to start brewing for, like, that's why I ended up in the warehouse because I was like, obviously, I don't know anyone. They're hiring. Well, this is the beginning of your journey. Yeah. Well, fair enough. But Girl, I, clean, yeah. I clean kegs mm-hmm. enough to be like, I don't want to clean kegs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's crazy. I just want to you know yeah. touch on that. Like, wow. I think well, like being able, this is just. Um, I think this is what makes you extremely. I don't want to say salty, but or, or bothered or anything, but. I worked really hard to get to where I am, really hard. Like I, I clean the kegs, I spray down the floors. It's the, it's the saying that we hear all the time, like you gotta eat shit. Mm-hmm. I fucking ate it. I, I, it, was, it was breakfast, lunch, and dinner for me to, to just get to just an assistant brewer status. What I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to turn that anger into passion yeah. to try to work on these projects Redirect like this. It. And redirect it to something that has more purpose that can actually create change, which is why I wanted mm-hmm. to create this podcast. And again, it wasn't my idea. Like, it's not like it's not like I thought I woke up one morning. I'm gonna do a podcast because no, because you know I don't. We all know I don't have time for anything at all. Mm-hmm. But I was I was approached by my wonderful friend. Can I name drop you? 
Oh, yes, okay. Um, my wonderful <laughs> you friend, Steve, <laughs> like across can't. The room. Yeah. who's also an ally and a supporter, <laughs> and he just approached me and was just like, I think you should try a podcast. I mm-hmm. think you would be able to have a wider reach, and you have all these important things to talk about. I think you should have a wider reach. And I never thought about that at all, and it sort of kind of made sense, and the more I kept thinking about it, it was more of... I don't want to do this to to call people out, to call breweries out, to shame people, to put my anger first, right? For me, I felt trying to have a podcast where I invite women from different backgrounds, different cultures, but in the same industry to come and talk about their experiences and how they're using those experiences to create change in the industry because you guys are all doing it, but be able to focus on topics that are not only informative, but nobody really gets to hear the perspective of women who are actually working in the industry to our level. Nobody gets to hear what we have to say. We're, none of us are invited to panels, like to go to- a Except the ones that we host. Yeah. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> 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 if you can't beat them, join exactly. them. Or that's what I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, exactly, I love where we, like, we, create, we create spaces to hold these important conversations, right? My goal with this podcast was to invite you guys to be able to talk about what you guys are doing because you guys know your shit. You women know your shit with what it is that you're doing. And to be able to create a platform like this where we can talk about it, we can talk about what our interests are, we can talk about how much craft beer or beer in general is very much ingrained in different things that we love to do whether it's food or music, how much beer is connected to culture. And we have something to say about it because we're from that. We're from culture, right? We all come from different from different walks of life that we can actually talk about these experiences on here. So why not talk about it? And also, what's, what's it called? Where you just like, and you have the receipts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I can talk about this because I've been in the industry for 10 years authority. and I've been brewing. That's right. It's and authority. I know my shit. Yeah. I know my shit. So I'm going to talk about it with all of you and hoping that people who do listen know that I'm not getting my information from the same exhausted guy with the beard on a pod- podcast. Or Instagram. Or in- yeah, or Instagram. <laughs> oh, Lord. But it's more of same, like, it's for me, what I'm hoping for this is to educate, to empower, to bring awareness, but also to celebrate who we are as women in this industry and to continue to push forward as a collective group to be able to point out what's important, what's changing. The industry is very much changing, whether you like it or not. The mm-hmm. industry is very much changing, where these spaces are going to look a lot like us within years. And if the industry isn't willing to let that happen, and then they're going to be met with a lot, a lot of people trying to really push even harder so they either do this with us or they do it against us. And you know what? It's not going to work out for them. It's not going to work out for them. So this is just a stepping stone to what the industry is going to look like in a few years. And this is what I want out of this. Wait, can we all say a little bit about what we're like looking for out of making this or like what we're looking forward to doing yeah. with yeah. it? Yeah. Do you want to go? Or yeah. I so f- a big thing for me is that at my brewery I'm the only like lady on the floor in production, mm. and but I never feel that way. 
Mm. And I never feel like I'm really the only lady there. There's only some days where I'm like, oh, God, I wish I wish there was another girl here. Um, you know, and, the <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, it's hard for me to find a community of like actual real people that support me. We support each other. I feel like there's a lot of organizations and a lot of groups that kind of, to me, it's a little bit of like fake camaraderie between yeah. the industry. And so I feel like I finally found people that I can talk to, that I can relate to, and that I know that y'all are actually like 100% supportive and we support each other. And it's just hard to find that even after like the eight, 10 years, or maybe I guess like almost 30 years combined that we have in the oh industry, my God. which is kind of nuts That's to think crazy. about. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Think um, about how much collective like, yeah. combined experience we yeah. all have. Yeah. The and amount of experience we have, like this, this person could have like two children. Like yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. Well, not on a brewer oh. salary, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not in this economy, no, not but in this economy. Um, but very much like Breeze, I wanted to do this because I didn't see anybody else like me doing it, and I was like, "Fuck it, why not?" You know, I wasn't like that hardcore where I was like trying to join a football team. But I respect you, but I was never trying to do that. Um, no, but it's uh, it's just been hard to find genuine people that I can relate to and geek out with and talk about this and understand me and I understand them. And I feel like I finally found that. And I think people need to hear what we have to say because mm -hmm. I think what we have to say holds a lot of more weight than a lot of other people in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I think what we have to yeah. say is it's much more insightful. And I think we're all very self-aware of what we're doing. And, and I don't know, I think we're all really passionate too. I think that's something we all have in common mm -hmm. about what we do we all love what we do and that shit is rare um That's true. so i i don't know i think this is kind of one of those um moments where i'm like if i let go of this i'm never gonna find it again oh. <laughs> you know <laughs> in the in this industry oh. yeah to be honest yeah yeah like there's not yeah. a lot of people that you know that are like all of us and have the, all the experience that we have and like care mm. yeah we do you know, care yeah but yeah, that's why I'm doing it. Cool. I just I'm here for my friends. I know. <laughs> She's just here to kiki. I'm here, <laughs> I'm here to kiki. <laughs> no, and also, you know, it's I think it's important for people like us to talk about our experiences and what we've been through and what we've gone through and share that with others because I feel like the industry is changing and there are more people of color, but like there needs to be more. And I think yeah. if we gotta get them when they're young, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I gotta get them when they're young. <laughs> when their joints yeah. are all yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't wanna be 30 years old with neck arthritis. They don't take, they don't take like a leave on a daily basis. Yeah. Ooh, we should have a leave sponsor us. Oh my God. This episode is brought to you by a leave. The brewer's choice I fuck with to get their job done. Codeine. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. Ooh, I'm kidding. Yeah. Are we? But it would be really nice to have, have something stronger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm prescribed to muscle relaxers. Oh, I was nice. just thinking yeah, about I told you this. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking it'd be nice to take them to fall asleep because you told me no, that. No, no, no. I, I, make you I fall looked asleep. it up. You can't do that, girl. That's what, what I do. That's All I, I want to do, do is just fall no, into yeah. deep sleep. My, my doctor was like, only take it when your neck hurts. I was like, okay. Oh, no, no, not every oh, night. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> I was like, sleeping uh, pills are Sydney. for sleeping. No, no, no. Yeah, you should no. talk. I want to have this conversation. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have an addiction to muscle relaxers to fall asleep, I Please promise. Please don't. Yeah. Actually, work puts me to sleep. I've been sleeping really well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm exhausted. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, right? Is, that, well, is it good exhausted? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a physical exhaustion. 
Yeah. yeah. Which is helpful. Yeah. 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 Well, why did you want to do this yeah. podcast? Why, why are you here, Sydney? Why yeah. am I here? Well, um, well, I ended up in a warehouse because I also knew that you had to know people to get in any industry. And I come from acting where you really have to know people or you're just like a little fish swimming around in a very big pond. Um, and like what the number one advice I always heard was like, you just have to be proximate to the things you want to do. So they were like, so get like a job, like serving coffee at a studio or like, you know, like go be an assistant, like just be proximate to what you want to do. And like, sometimes that's good advice. Sometimes it's not. But when I was trying to get into beer, once I decided that was something I wanted to do, I was like, I just need to walk in the door. I don't mm-hmm. know what happens after, but I know that the only way I'm going to get to production is to be in the door. I applied to work in a warehouse because I have delusions of grandeur. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. I was like, prove to me that I can't do this. Right. right and so right, I like, right. I like applied and they called me multiple times being like, are you sure that you know what you're applying for? And I was like, yeah, it's a warehouse. Like you described the job in great detail. Like I know what it is. And they were like, okay. And then we met and I you're had like so a brave. full interview and I came in and I like shadowed the role and then like came and then like had to give my job two weeks and came in and everyone had thought that I like had one day. I learned this much later that everyone thought on my shadow day that I'd come in and quit immediately. So then everyone was confused when I came back. And I was like, oh, first of all, of course you thought that. Second of all, I'm the only employee who's ever had a shadow day. Everybody else has just started. I was like, wait, you're just starting and you don't have to find out. I was like, oh, I didn't need to know what this job was. I knew what it was. Yeah, yeah. The thing is that I grew up, my dad is a contractor and has a job working with like pipe organs. So he like has had, I hate this term, but like a blue collar job. And that's what I grew up around. And so I've worked with him and I have done like demo and construction and like worked on like St. John the divine, like in Manhattan, like taking out the pipe organ, right? Like I'm around heavy lifting things. I know how to like do that. And also have worked in restaurants, which is a lot of physical work. And I'm a physical person. And I was like, yeah, I know that I can do this. And on the little fucking job description thing. Mm-hmm. Are we swearing? Whatever. Yeah, I already yeah. asked. Yeah. we are. <laughs> Fuck shit, damn. They, like, had on their description, as they do, like, I must be able to lift 50 pounds. You know, mm-hmm. that's like a yeah, normal yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. They said, like, must be able to lift 160 <gasps> pounds. And I was like, that's no, you don't. I literally was like, no, you don't. I know that you don't. And I was like, I, okay. So I ignored that. Right. Cause I was like, I know that I'll be able to figure out a way around that, but it's like, no, you actually don't like 160 pounds is how much a full keg weighs for those who don't know. That's insane. Yes. Some people can do it, but never in my whole job have I been like, man, I really got to lift this keg and put it somewhere. You roll them. Everyone knows that you throw kegs. Like you don't need to lift them. It's crazy so I was like that's done well when I started working at the beer distributor they actually made every hire do like a physical like entrance exam essentially 
And you can, trust me, you can lift a keg. Oh, I you can, can lift yeah, a keg. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. I You've always been able to lift a keg. You lift with the legs. My job lifts kegs all the time. Oh, yeah. But and yeah, I they made us all like stack lift, all these yeah. cases and then like I mean, use a hand truck and then lift kegs. Yeah, That's I can do all those things. But the thing is that when you see must be able to lift 160 pounds. Right, it's not like you're doing that regularly. And then they have their little diversity thing at the bottom where they're like, we are whatever non-discriminatory right, just because it's required like, by law you literally just put in i mean it's gatekeeping but most of like most of all it just is like it's discriminatory because it's it's putting people like off the trail right and i was like look like i as a woman who doesn't give a shit like was like no i'm gonna do it anyway and then they hired me because they knew that i could i don't really know why they believe that but i can and so i've been doing it and it's been fine i now tell all women i'm like you can also do it right i was like some women, maybe they don't want to, or maybe they literally can't, but that's not because they're women. They just maybe as a person yeah. cannot. I've seen men not being able to lift three cases of beer yeah. off the ground. Yeah. So this they, is not a gender thing. It's just more of like what your capacity is in terms of what you can lift or not. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm first of all going to lift a lot of heavy stuff at the beginning and get my strength up and then I'm going to do whatever, and then I'm going to cut corners, whatever, right? So I was like, okay, so I'll just, like, work really hard at the beginning, and then I'll be fine. And that's kind of what happened. But then people were like, wow, you got really good at this. And I was like, obviously, because I had to work really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people come in, and they don't, and then they just plateau, and they don't get any better. And everyone's like, wow, how'd you get so good at your job? And it was because I had to try really hard. (laughs) So it was like, and now people are like, why are you excelling beyond what we expected it was like because I had to excel past expectations right like the expectations were so bottom of the ground everyone thought I was going to quit and first of all it didn't even occur to me really that people were going to think I was going to quit because I was like no it did but I was like I'm not going to so I was like it doesn't matter what did it drive you oh absolutely to be like I'm gonna fucking do now I'm gonna really do it so then it also felt like every time I did make a mistake I was letting all women down yeah so I was like it was suddenly representing that that doesn't go away yeah no it's not (laughs) going to I know I still feel that way I feel that way every every day I'm so bad at this yeah it's so crazy and I like I I think more than anything I want people to know that it is like achievable work that is like really hard, but it feels good to do hard work. And then at the end of the day, like you're getting a lot of free beer and you get to meet really cool people and like eventually probably like get to, like, I don't know when I started, I was like, maybe I'll open a brewery. I don't really want to do that anymore. That sounds awful. I don't want to do that anymore. But I was like, it would be so cool to like actually be able to like work in a brewery that I really think is doing really cool stuff and like has really cool people. And every single day I wish there were more women around and every day I wish there was a woman on the warehouse team. Do I, does it mean I would like her? Maybe not. Mm -hmm. You know, women can be chauvinistic. Ayana at eight years old told us, but maybe I would. But the the point is that every time I talk to a woman that I work with or who works in the same industry, I don't have to explain things in the way that I like have to painfully break things down for. And it's the same with any 
like if you're a person of color or a queer person or a woman, like you can, there's certain things you can say mm -hmm. that people who are in your community are just going to understand. Yes. The yep. people outside your community are just going to be like, yes. mm, what is that? Like, are you sure that that's what's happening? Because I didn't feel that. Yeah. I didn't feel like, I don't. Yeah. And it was like, oh no, but way. I felt that way and I'm not in that community. And it's like, no, but you didn't feel it because of these reasons. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 it's yeah, like, yeah. no, I also had to work really hard. And it's like, well, you had to work hard, but in a different way. You had to work. Yeah. yeah, that's it. it was, but it's like, it's like, yeah, you had to work, and then I had to work, but in a different way that was existentially exhausting. Right. That's so real. I thought yeah. about, yeah, that's so real. I want to that's positively so name drop here, but Cloudwater in the UK, mm. they pulled out the weight restriction out of their application. Oh, that's awesome. Really? So that the application process is more inviting and it opens more doors, accessibility really for cool. more people to apply. That's and so the majority of their brew staff are women Damn. who work at Cloudwater. Paul, if you listen to this, shout out to Paul, you. Paul, we love you. It's literally he, gatekeeping. He talked about his I application know. process. And he, he intentionally pulled the weight restriction out awesome. because he wanted to have more, he wanted his brewery to be able to allow more people mm -hmm. outside of the male gender to apply and, yeah. and do the job. Because he, he was like, even if they couldn't, we would get them there. King. Mm -hmm. That's right? awesome. King. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, just teach He's people how to, to do it. Paul, you're invited to the carne asada. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Like, he was just you so... Invite, you invited to the kickback. Yeah. <laughs> ally. <laughs> But that's Paul, so, you an ally. You know, right? Paul, he's he's good. And that's I mean, one of the reasons again with this podcast is having to very much vocalize breweries that are doing it right. Mm -hmm. Even when they do get it wrong, yes. them being yeah. mm -hmm. them being fully honest about like, yeah, no, I fucked up and I shouldn't have done that and I apologize and I'm and I'm making it right. It's mm -hmm. and there are not a lot of breweries like that, but those breweries do exist. And those are the breweries that I'm very happy to talk about here. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's yeah. Like cloud water. That it's just when he told me his process, mind blown. That's another thing that I want to get from this podcast is promote those brands that are doing really cool things because the best thing you can do for people who are doing cool stuff is give them money. And the like you you get yeah. it. It's capitalism. But like the only way to actually like help people yeah, in yeah, a yeah. in an industry which is a business is like give them money. So like the more that we can actually just elevate people's platforms and be like buy this beer because this person's really cool and they're doing really cool stuff and also they have good beer is like because like beer is generally good not all of it is good but mm -hmm. like you can also be like if you're gonna buy good beer buy it from these people and that's what I want our listeners to know is have resources of where they can go to find those things because that's also something I'm still trying to find oh, is I'll, I'll yeah. literally google like every few days like breweries by women I did it today and I was like this is frustrating and oh yeah yeah I was like it's not helpful and I think the best thing you can do is just crowdsource yeah I think that's great Ayana Ayana what's up girl what's up we're looking at you now okay um well, I guess when I think about like when I got into the craft beer industry and also what the first like few years of being in the industry looked like for me, like it was isolating. Like there were very few people of color and very few women, and especially women of color working in the industry. And it really wasn't until like, I guess when I started like working at the brewery that I'm employed at now that you know, I ever even had a coworker who was a woman of color who, you know, from a somewhat similar cultural background to mine. 
Um, and yeah, it's really cool to, you know, here we are five years after like, you know, me first getting that brewery job and suddenly I feel like there are more, you know, people of diverse backgrounds in the industry than ever. And I don't think I ever could have imagined like having, you know, two or three people that I could sit around and talk to in this manner. Like when I first got into the industry, I've always been used to being like the only woman wherever I worked and, you know, the only Asian woman or whatever, um, or the only Asian person. Um, and sometimes the only Jew, but not always. Um, <laughs> there's Welcome a lot of Jews York. in New York. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like I worked really hard to hold, to carve out my space and hold on to it. And now I want to expand it and I want to, you know, invite other people in, um, and if what we can do, you know, by having this podcast is, you know, letting people know that, like, the door is open for you, you know, it may seem like it's not open and you are going to have to work very yeah. hard. Like, let's not like I won't mince words about that. But there are other people who have done this and there are other people who have done this who are still in the industry who are going to like be happy to help you achieve that. Um, you know, I would like to be able to demystify like some of what getting into the industry or working in the industry actually is. I think that there's a lot that people don't say about it, I mean, good things that people don't say about it, but also a lot of like hard realities of working in here that just don't get talked about. Um, and yeah, I think that this can be like a really like generative, like positive forum. Mm -hmm. um, you know, though I, it's in my blood to enjoy complaining because that's how New Yorkers like bond with strangers. <laughs> but that's like not the only thing yeah. that I want to do, you know, like I want this to be like a place where we can have like informative, educational, positive discussions. Um, and yeah, and I'm excited about that. And I'm excited for, you know, a group of like diverse voices to be heard and be given a platform. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm hoping to get out of this. I love that. I like that. So I me too. I think this. I think this is gonna work. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I think we have a good path, for sure, and a good purpose. And I think we all just kind of broke down the mission mm -hmm. of why we want to do this podcast. So I think this is where we come to a close. Shout out to Steve. Shout out to Steve. Thanks, Steve. Up, Thank you so much for, what's this called? Producing? What do you, yeah. sound no, it's mixing? It's a, engineering. Engineer. Yeah. Engineering. To our sound engineer, Steve, my Sick guy. Space yeah. too. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate our it ally. Um, our ally. Yeah, yeah, shout out to our ally. Shout out to our ally. <laughs> <laughs> New single. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sing a lot. <laughs> shout out to Steve. And I guess tune in next time for our next guest our first guest our, our first, first guest right yeah, yeah yeah awesome you guys thank That's you sick. so much again my name is breeze my name is andreina sydney ayana hee <laughs> <laughs>